it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to Destination Draft Day, your one-stop shop for all things pro, college, and NFL draft. For all things football, you're here on LandryFootball.com streams, and this is Destination Draft Day. I'm your host, Michael Rockman. Today, we are going to be talking about the Pac-12 in what will be a very interesting season for the overall conference as we see plenty of teams now really kind of going in a questionable year for there's teams like Oregon, teams like USC that really have some question marks that still need to be answered as they head into the season. Teams like Washington needs to make some strides offensively if they plan to win the conference. So for this upcoming season, I think we could see an ultimate chaos year for the Pac-12, maybe a lot of competition where teams are knocking each other out. I don't think we're going to see a playoff team from this conference, but first and foremost, this is a draft show. So we're going to talk about the top prospects of the Pac-12 And we're going to start out with quarterback Keaton Slovis. And now I'm not as high on Slovis as a lot of these other draft networks seem to be. They really look at him as a first round guy. There's plenty of QB talent in this Pac-12, but I think right now it would be disingenuous to look away from Slovis, who really offers probably the most potential at the position at the moment. Um, You know, shown plenty as a true freshman. And then as a true sophomore, he really started to slow down a bit, have some hiccups in his play, too many turnovers, uh, questions on his overall arm talent. Now he heads into his junior year hoping to bounce back with a very talented offensive scheme around him. There's guys such as Drake London, such as Brew McCoy, and there's just plenty of overall talent on that offensive line with a returning experience. Keaton Slovis is going to be in for a big make or break season in terms of how he is viewed both in college football history and just as a prospect. If he can come out and absolutely ball out, continue to really show strong signs of his freshman year with obviously some greater improvements in terms of physical play, then we could absolutely be talking about this guy as a first round prospect. And we could be talking about this guy as one of many grades for that USC quarterback room and history. So now the big question mark with Slovis is can he continue to grow as a downfield thrower? He has some great plays. He puts the ball on a line on some inconsistent moments, but when he does it, it's very consistent or it's very uh, phenomenal really in what we see. And with some great receivers, some great size downfield ability, 
I think all the question marks are going to fall on Slovis and can he prove it this year with a phenomenal year? And if he does, then like I said, we could be talking about this guy in the first round, but really for me, I'm not as high on him as most of the consensus. I think this is someone that we're looking at as a day two pick, or maybe even someone that returns to school if things don't go as planned. At the running back position, I'm high on CJ Verdell An injured season really kind of sets him back a bit. And for good reason, I think he returned to Oregon. I really loved his game as a junior or as a sophomore. And I think that with a strong season, he could bounce back into that running back conversation. I think there's plenty of ability here. Oregon is going to depend on him heavily with Tyler Shuck transferring away. Anthony Brown, most likely going to be the starting quarterback. Yes, we could see some passing still very much in the game plan, but I think the running game is going to be huge. Obviously, there are other pieces in that running back room. Die is very phenomenal for a college football player, but I think Verdell is going to have to really put the team on his back if Oregon plans to both win the North and hopefully win the Pac-12. At the wide receiver spot, I'm going with Brew McCoy, and I know this is a little bit against the grain because a lot of the attention goes to Drake London, his colleague on the offensive Trojans, but for me, Brew McCoy is someone that I really love, and I think that with a, another year of experience, another year starting for that USC offense, he's going to really bounce in a major way. Uh, London shows a lot of stiffness for me. I know he's athletic and he has a size, but there's too many times where I just am not as impressed with his big plays as a lot of other people are. And for that, you know, I'm a little bit hesitant to have him as the top guy. I think Brew McCoy shows a little bit more in terms of potential. I think he's a little bit more fluid as a route runner. And as a receiver, I think he makes plays better in the overall deep game. And so I think it's a toss-up. I don't think there's really a clear-cut number one wide receiver in this Pac-12. And really, Brew McCoy and Drake London are probably the top guys. But for me, I'm going with McCoy right now. Lean that direction, and we'll see what happens over the course of the season. But I think McCoy is going to have the better outlook as a pro prospect. And he's someone that I think offers plenty of athleticism that he could have a good season and then continue to rise in that offseason where we see combine and testing and really just all those numbers that really help elevate his overall stock at the tight end position. I got Greg Dolchich, the tight end out of UCLA. You can see it on the picture. He's pretty thin for a tight end, but he absolutely shows some great movement skills, some great receiving ability. And I think he shows plenty of effort as a blocker to believe in what he can become at the tight end position for UCLA. They have a lot of exciting pieces on their offense you know, obviously Dorian Thompson Robinson is one of the more exciting QBs in the Pac-12. They have some great running backs. I think Britton Brown is very underrated, but there may not be a better player on this offense than Greg Dolchich, who could be in the argument for tight end one, in my opinion, with another good season. Uh, you know, there's guys like Jalen Watermeyer over in the SEC, but Dolchich, I think, just offers so much. Now for the Pac-12 as a whole, there's plenty of tight ends to keep an eye on. And another guy that really is deserving of being on this list could very easily be Kate Otten, who is a very consistent, reliable tight end for Washington Huskies, their overall receiving leader last year, and really shows plenty of well-rounded skill set to really get high value when his time comes for the draft. But still, Eileen Dolchich, I really love his ability. I really love his upside. And I think with another year just growing in that UCLA offense, I think he's in for a major 2021 season. On the offensive line, UCLA offers two great tackles in Sean Ryan and Alec Anderson, Eileen Anderson for the overall tackle class. There's plenty of talent, though, 
in this Pac-12. Jackson Kirkland is a guy that's also gotten plenty of hype and love. But really, you know, when it comes to Anderson, I think that there's just so much that we saw last year in terms of just overall aggression, overall ability to move. And I think that as he continues to grow, as he continues to get a little bit bigger, add a little bit of size. Right now he's sitting at about 305, I believe, in terms of weight. So I think he needs to add a little bit of weight. But I think he moves well enough and shows enough as a pass blocker and run blocker to really elevate himself into that round one discussion if he has another strong year. On the defensive side of things, we go with Jermaine Lowell, our defensive lineman out of Arizona State. Really, Arizona State has some very experienced and extremely enjoyable defensive lineman. Tyler Johnson put up some phenomenal stats last year, including a three-sack game against UCLA. Arizona State should have some exciting pieces on this defense, but Jermaine Lowell is going to be a leader. A little bit undersized at 6'1", 310 pounds, but he fires off the line very well. He gets low, gets into the backfield at a high rate. I think this is someone that you could really look for as a dominant player for the Sun Devils if they're going to have a big season. It's not just going to rely on that offense. We are also going to need to see some big things from that defense, pieces like Merlin Robertson, pieces like Chase Lucas, the Sun Devils could be in for a very strong season, and I really love what they have here. But for Jermaine Lowell, he leads the pack of this Pac-12 defensive line class. I don't think Lowell is going to be a first-round guy. Maybe sneaks into the back of day two, but I think this is someone we're looking at as a day three talent. But right now, the defensive line class for the Pac-12 is a little bit up in the air in terms of overall just draft stock for how the talent comes into the NFL. At the edge position, there's plenty of talks about guys like Drake Jackson. There's sleepers from, you know, California's Cameron Good. But there's no one who's going to top Kayvon Thibodeau, in my opinion. He is absolutely a beast. Even when you see him drop into coverage for Oregon, he shows off plenty of skill set. He moves well. He's an exciting rusher. He can stop the run. He can stop the pass. He's going to wreak havoc in backfields for anyone he goes against. And that's why, for me, he's my top edge and probably going to end up one of my top prospects in this class when it's all said and done. A little bit of a slower season last year. Maybe not as great as the expectations were, but with the overall circumstances surrounding the COVID season of 2020, I'm not really that worried about it. There are still plenty of flashes on tape. I think he's in for a big breakout well, maybe not breakout, but a big season that will absolutely allow him to become the top defensive prospect in this class. Him and Carl Aftis, for me, are 1A and 1B when it comes to the defensive end spot in this class. And really right now, I think everyone leans Kayvon Thibodeau in, in terms of just overall consensus mocks. So I think he's going to be a top five pick. I think he's going to be a huge piece for the Oregon Ducks defense. And I think with a strong season, we could be talking about this guy as one of the best talents college football has seen in recent past. At the linebacker position, Edifuan Olofchio, the linebacker out of Washington, has really just shown some great skills, really gets through traffic with ease, a natural run stopper, but also he can move around the field as a pass coverage linebacker as well. I don't think you want him you know, lining up on the running back and just following him throughout the field. But I think he can handle zone assignments pretty easily. I think he just is a consistent rangy tackler who is going to really make stops on the ball nonstop all game, really the epitome of consistency. And Washington Huskies really define themselves with that. You know, pieces like Trent McDuffie, pieces like Kyler Gordon. There's just so many great, phenomenal pieces on this Washington Huskies defense. And 
Olafashio may be one of the best of them. You know, obviously there are some other pieces for this Washington team that could hinder their defensive success. You know, the injuries to ZTF for Washington is absolutely huge. I think with him missing, we could see a little bit of a hiccup, but I think there's plenty of talent on this Washington defense. They seem to have some guys that can really rotate in when needed. And, you know, if I were to really guess how much uh, I, I, I'm saying ZTF because I don't want to murder his name, but for ZTF, I think if we don't see him, which is very likely because of the injury, unless he's just superhuman, then I think that we're going to see Olaf Shio really step up and take that, you know, leadership aspect, step up in terms of overall performance and really elevate the surrounding play. While they may be inexperienced at the edge now, I think the linebacker and secondary unit are going to absolutely blow things away. At cornerback, Mikhail Wright out of Oregon, a little bit smaller than you may want. 5'11", not too bad. I think he's closer to 5'10", kind of thin in his frame, but I think he doesn't really it doesn't really matter for him. You you think of guys like Denzel Ward, and I think that's a good example of what Wright brings to the table because he's a great run defender. He can absolutely stick around with any matchup you give him. He shows phenomenal aggression for a guy that maybe is a little bit smaller in terms of expectation from your cornerback position, but he is a phenomenal talent, a fluid, hipped, fast-footed corner that I think will be in for a big season and Oregon really has a lot of talent on this defense that, you know, if Wright can come together and just have a good season, then Thibodeau is going to feast. And if Thibodeau can feast, then Wright's going to feast. And with all these pieces working together, Oregon should be in for a very strong season. And Kyle Wright gets a lot of praise for that. And then at the safety position, Isaiah Polamau, the 6'4 safety out of USC, shows plenty of range, can drop down to free safety when need, or strong safety when needed, play in the box. He can also move around and really be in presence off the edge. But really what I love about him is his overall range as a free safety. Him and Hufanga were one of the best safety duos last year in college football. Obviously he's going to have to really step up and lead the secondary, which is now losing a lot of pieces of experience. But USC as a whole has plenty of talent on their overall roster. And really in my opinion, Pull him out is probably the highest graded USC player for me in terms of what we've seen so far in this preseason. I love his talent. I think he could be a first, second rounder. Probably due to age, he'll probably be a second round guy. But I do think that with a strong season, we could be talking about this guy in that back of the first. But it's that safety position. So there's really question marks about where they will come in to this class and what the value will be surrounding them. But Pull him out is going to be in for a big season, and USC will be lucky to have him. Now, we can talk about top names all day. Obviously, you've heard all these names. And maybe you've heard all these names coming up on this next list. We're going to talk about sleepers of the Pac-12. And the first one, I kind of cheated a little bit because Dorian Thompson-Robinson is well-known across college football. And it's hard to consider him a sleeper. But I do think that what is slept on is how much potential he has. And if things really get fixed for him, which we've seen a lot of growth already from year one to year two, or I mean from year three, year two to year three, then we could absolutely see another year of just great progression as a quarterback and potentially talking about this guy as the, you know, rising QB that came out of nowhere 
while Thompson Robinson may be less out of nowhere, more of like a Mayfield type situation, I do think that there's plenty of talent here, plenty of mobility, arm talent, and really just from what I've seen from an absolute great young guy that I think could be in for a successful career if really he can fix some of these issues on field. So what are the issues on field? He really kind of plays backyard football right now. He will scramble around all day and launch the ball sometimes, and it causes issues. He just, I think he trusts his arm a little bit too much, trusts trusts his natural ability. And sometimes you have to stick to the structure a little bit in order to really get the best out of your play. And from snap to snap, that's extremely important. And for Thompson Robinson, it's something that he needs to continue working on. Now, obviously, there's other issues. It's not just, oh, just don't be so crazy and you'll be able to be this dominant QB. But if Robin, if Thompson Robinson can just relax a little bit, get a little bit more you know, traditional at the QB position, I really do think that he could be in for a great season. He has the talent to absolutely fly up boards. At the running back spot, we're talking about Austin Jones running back for Stanford and for Stanford, they love to run the ball. And especially now with Davis mills heading to the NFL, I think Austin Jones is in for a big season. We could see him really put together a phenomenal year. Don't be surprised if this is the guy that takes away the PAC 12 offensive player of the year award right now. Well, I'm not going to leak who I have predicted for it, but Austin Jones is very much in consideration at this position. The junior out of Stanford put together a phenomenal sophomore year. And now with all the expectation of the offense, most likely going to run through him, we could see that those stats just continue to rise. You look at what Austin Jones has really shown and at his frame, 5'9", 200 pounds, kind of looks like Austin Eckler. I'm not saying that as a comparison. I'm just saying, you know, that's the type of frame you're working with, with him. And I think really, he shows plenty of power that maybe his smaller size doesn't really matter. Average four and a half yards per carry with nine touchdowns, but he can contribute in the passing game as well. 21 receptions over the course of just, I think it was six games for Stanford. So absolutely on track for a big season. And with the inexperience at QB, I really think this offense is going to rely on Austin Jones to be the star and don't be surprised if he puts together a huge year for the Cardinals. At wide receiver, I have Michael Wilson, the redshirt junior out of Stanford. Really one of my favorite prospects last offseason, someone that I checked out and I was a big fan of. Stanford obviously had some issues last year with just overall inability to get some consistency out of the passing game besides Fihoko. And really a lot of guys transferring out of this Stanford offense, but Michael Wilson is someone that I'm still a huge fan of last season, able to put up 19 catches, 261 yards, but I think he's in for a bigger season, even just not talking about it from a six game season. It was just a disappointing year in terms of production overall, 6'2", 210. He has nice size, but I think he moves pretty well. I think he is someone that could be a nice possession receiver. I'm not looking at this guy to be someone that flies up to the first round or really dominates the NFL, but I think he's someone that adds to a receiving room pretty well with versatile skill set, consistent play. And we could be talking about Michael Wilson as one of those safe options that really fills out that back of the wide receiver rotation in an active game. So like that wide receiver four, wide receiver three spot, I think Wilson could really thrive in. At tight end, DJ Johnson, the redshirt senior out of Oregon. This was someone that I really was watching 2019 tape, and I 
was impressed with his defensive end ability. And so I looked him up and they're saying, oh, you know, DJ Johnson's making the move to tight end this spring. And I was so confused. But there's plenty of reason to be optimistic about what he can do at the tight end spot. He's shown some nice talent. He's shown some nice ability. Now the question mark is, will he continue to grow his game? A little bit stiff at the tight end spot, but he offers great aggression. I think he showed some really tremendous ability as a blocker. Obviously, with what he does from game to game in terms of aggression, you can see his tight end experience. Last year, only put up 10 catches, but I do think that with another year of experience, another year at his size, we could see DJ Johnson really put together a great year and really work himself into being a piece that's valued by the NFL and maybe a day three pick that really gets into that back half of the draft. On the offensive line, I'm a huge fan of Matthew Sindrick, the guard out of California, supposed to be starting left guard, started last year, really moves well, shown some great power. Watching him against Oregon, he seemed to be the only offensive lineman on California that was really able to win from snap to snap. And even when he maybe took a poor first step and allowed the advantage to Oregon, he had great recovery. That is absolutely huge for California, and I think – or for offensive guard, sorry. And for California, it's going to be phenomenal. I think Matthew Kendrick is someone that's absolutely underrated and is flying under radars right now. But when the time comes, I do think that this is someone that will fly up boards. Probably talked about as a round three, round four type prospect. But this is someone that I think could absolutely contribute. He's a little undersized at the moment. Sitting in the 290 range as an offensive guard, you want to see him put on some weight, at least around 10, 15 pounds. But even with the weight added, I don't think we'll see any lost athleticism. And even if he doesn't put on the weight, I think he offers enough in terms of play strength and just overall aggression to make up for it. So keep an eye on Matthew Kendrick if you're looking for an under-the-radar interior offensive lineman for this class. On the defensive line, we got Terrence Lang out of Colorado, a nice hybrid-type defender. You know, you look at him, 6'5", 280 pounds, really shows some nice flashes but I think the overall question mark for him to really take that next step as a prospect is to get some more consistency in his play the Colorado defensive line was huge last year for just overall talent you know obviously the front seven was just filled with talent with Mustafa Johnson Carson Wells Nate Landman and Terrence Lang didn't have a great season but I think the year before he put up five and a half sacks and I think he's going to bounce back in a major way. 6'7", 290. Sorry, mis- misread the frame there. But Lang is absolutely someone that I think could be in for a huge year if he kind of gets back into it. And I assume with the season really kind of back to a normal season, we should see that. Maybe I'm off on it, though. There were definitely some question marks with his tape. But I think we can see Lang put together a strong season, fulfill a spot, on a defensive line and get added to an NFL front seven fairly easily on the edge. Another Colorado guy already dropped his name a little bit earlier, Carson Wells, who I think is an exciting piece for anyone looking for a kind of hybrid defender, six and a half sacks, four pass deflections and an interception last year for Colorado offers a very impressive frame at six, four, 250 pounds. I think he might be a little smaller, maybe six, three, two forty, but still, very much a hybrid piece that can play on the edge, can drop into coverage when needed, show some nice power when rushing the passer. I think this is someone that really could 
get into that conversation of a day three pick that's kind of flying under the radar. And I think that's the big talking point of a lot of these pieces for the upcoming season is, you know, this class is so much deeper than other classes because the overall like player pool, just in overall volume. And with that, we're going to see more talent in its overall volume. And we're going to see some more just value on those later draft picks. Some teams are going to be more stingy with a fifth rounder than usual, or some teams are going to be willing to offer more on a sixth rounder than you would expect. So that's why pieces like Carson Wells, who, you know, redshirt senior, probably going to be a day three pick, but could absolutely contribute to a team, maybe even as early as his first year in a rotational role. And I think it's just, it's an exciting time. And that's why, you know, with these sleeper prospects, you should definitely pay attention or at least try to check them out because there's so much talent in college football this year with all the returning talent from last year. And we got a comment from the comment section. Is Herm Edwards going to be able to coach this season? I thought ASU could win the Pac-12 this year. That's going to be a huge question mark. What is going to happen with Arizona State and the overall, you know, questions surrounding what happened with COVID-19 and what violations were made? If Herm Edwards can stick around, I do think Arizona State could be in for a big season. They obviously have Jaden Daniels at the QB spot, but they have plenty of other talent as well on that roster. I don't know if I think they would have won the big or the Pac-12 regardless. I do think that, you know, teams like Oregon, teams like USC still outmatch them, but it would have been interesting. And I, I hate to see a good team like Arizona State potentially set back because of this, but I do think Herm Edwards will get to remain as coach. If not, hopefully someone in, in the house will be able to remain as the head coach, maybe like Antonio Pierce, maybe Marvin Lewis just steps up. We'll see what happens, but definitely going to be interesting to follow what happens with Arizona State and with that talent situation because there's a lot of great players on the team, and if things really fall apart, we could see maybe a lot of talent quickly transfer out to try to get a chance to compete elsewhere. At linebacker, Caleb Johnson out of UCLA, redshirt senior, who I think really just – lit up the stat sheet for UCLA, but also just showed plenty of aggression as a rusher and just as an overall tackler. Stepped in as a Juco player first year for the UCLA Bruins and really was one of the leaders of this defense. Five and a half sacks, one interception, 44 tackles. A guy that I really was blown away with last night watching some of the UCLA tape and really thought that this is someone that we could be talking about as a as another day three guy, I think you look around at guys like Buddy Johnson and Caleb Johnson shows similar skills, similar ability, nice range, nice run defense, needs to be a little bit less stiff working in the open field, needs to be a little bit better in coverage, but absolutely a dominant player for UCLA, a great college football piece. And I think as a prospect, there's plenty to keep an eye on. At the cornerback position, this is one of my favorite prospects of the Pac-12, just period. Not sleeper, but just overall favorite prospect. Mo Wassling III, the defensive back out of UCLA. Redshirt senior in this year, so we will definitely see him in this draft. He's someone that I turned on the tape, 6'1", 200 pounds, moved around from safety to corner, dropped down to the edge, played in the box. He was an absolute beast. He was able to fill in wherever needed. I don't get it with him because he really just flashed entirely on tape, but he's in a position battle at UCLA. And, you know, 
that's not to disrespect the other UCLA corners, but I just thought this guy was an absolute monster, and I'm surprised that he's stuck in any position battle at any university. You know, this guy could be a great safety for UCLA. He could be a great outside corner. He could apparently just drop down and play linebacker when needed. He shows great aggression. He gets off blocks extremely well, but he shows some great fluidity as well in what you wouldn't necessarily expect out of a big corner like him. Mo Osling III is someone that I think really could fly up boards, and maybe I'm just being ridiculous and I was blinded by my own evaluation. I'm not sure, but I really love his talent, and I think this is someone that really could be a stud in the NFL. And I think even if he's someone that gets taken day three, which is possible, I'm still going to hype him for the NFL because from what I saw on tape, he's just an absolute beast. And whether you're putting him at corner, putting him at safety, or just moving him around all over, I think he's going to contribute to a defense no matter what. And then at the safety spot is his teammate, Quentin Lake, the redshirt senior out of UCLA, had an invite to the NFLPA Bowl and then returned to UCLA. I think he's going to be in for another very nice season. I think UCLA is a sleeper team for the Pac-12 this year with so much talent throughout its roster. Look out for UCLA and because of pieces in the secondary, like Mo Osling, like Quentin Lake, like Jay Shaw, there's just so many pieces that are going to really help out the secondary and help out the UCLA defense to really put up a phenomenal season. And it's not just those pieces as well. You know, there's other pieces such as um, Carl Jones that had a great year last year. There's pieces such as Mitchell Agude, who really shows some plenty, plenty of potential on the edge. There's so much talent for UCLA this year. And that's why for my Pac-12 predictions, I have them winning the South. And for the North, I have Oregon coming in and winning that. Player of the year, I'm going with C.J. Verdell. I think it's going to be between him and Austin Jones. Obviously, Jarek Broussard put up a great year last year, winning the Offense Player of the Year, but I'm not sure about Colorado's overall skill set, and I think that's going to hurt Broussard's chances. Whereas Austin Jones and Verdell, I think, are going to be the key pieces of their offense. And, you know, I feel like I was was very sold on Verdell. I talked myself into it last night, but now as the show goes along and I keep talking about it, I'm kind of leaning Jones, but right now I think Verdell and Jones are the two guys I would bet on. I think both are going to be absolutely huge for their offense. Both are going to be in for great seasons with great question marks surrounding them. Um, I go Verdell. You know, I love Austin Jones. I love CJ Verdell, but CJ Verdell, I think offers plenty in terms of just overall star talent. And if he's leading Oregon to the PAC 12 championship, then I am absolutely all in on Verdell. Defensive player of the year, Kayvon Thibodeau, I think is going to have a bounce back season. Like I said, he's an absolute dominant piece for the Oregon Ducks in a talented defense. Noah Sewell, Mikhail Wright, plenty of other pieces as well that I'm not naming. But if you are looking out for this Oregon team, there's just so much talent throughout this roster. Keep an eye on what they can do with pieces like Kayvon Thibodeau, pieces like C.J. Verdell, Don't sleep on them to win the North and potentially win the Pac-12. I believe they're the odds on favorite, but my Pac-12 champion is the UCLA Bruins going against the grain. I don't think that people are giving this team enough credit. I believe the odds right now listed are plus 1,200. I think that UCLA is going to be in for a huge season. I think they do lose to LSU early in the year, 
And I think that they'll have an issue with either Washington or Oregon in the season. But when the Pac-12 championship comes, I believe UCLA will win it. And Chip Kelly will really establish, reestablish himself as a top coach in college football. Plenty of talent here on this roster. I don't really see a huge weak spot for the UCLA Bruins. Maybe some defensive line help could absolutely improve their overall skill set. But I think this roster is filled with talent, filled with ability. They've been trending in the right direction. I think Chip Kelly is going to pull off the upset of the Pac-12 and UCLA Bruins walk away with the Pac-12 championship. Now that's not to disrespect the other teams. Oregon, USC, Washington should all put together some great seasons and be bowl eligible. I think Oregon will see them in the Rose Bowl, probably facing off against Iowa maybe. Uh, Well, I guess UCLA would be in the Rose Bowl against Iowa, but Oregon will probably likely very much still be in contention for a big bowl game. USC and Washington I think will probably – have a little bit of bad luck and fall out of that picture a little bit. Colorado is a team that I think has plenty of talent. The big question mark is what's going to happen at that QB position. We'll see what happens. I think there's still plenty of time for them to really get that figured out, you know, whether they stick with someone on the roster or whether they bring in someone through the transfer portal, we'll see. And then for the remaining two teams, Arizona state and Utah, both filled with question marks and Arizona state really should have an asterisk right there because there's a chance that with these investigations going on, they might not be eligible to really be brought in to the bowl game season. And with that, you know, it would be a real disappointment because there's so much talent on this team and so much ability for them to really put together a strong season. And like Nick said, he thinks that they're going to be the, or he thinks that they could win the PAC 12 and it would be devastating to not even have that chance. If, Really, they've been proven to have violated the code of COVID-19 for the past season. You know, usually these episodes run a little short. We're going to talk a little bit longer, but that's all we got for the Pac-12. Plenty of interesting situations, but now we're going to talk a little bit about some of the recent NFL news. Morgan Moses added to the New York Jets just this past Friday. A huge move for the offensive line. I know George Fant was an average right tackle. I think he was solid and could have fulfilled the starting role. But now with Morgan Moses, I think you're looking at a very consistent and much improved offensive line. If Fant maybe kicks inside, I don't know how his skill set projects to that. Um, truly, so I'm, it's just speculation that maybe he could just because it's a common move. But Definitely an improved offensive line, and that's absolutely huge for the Jets because whether you like Sam Darnold as a prospect or not, you can admit that the Jets did a poor job of giving this man protection to be able to grow into a better quarterback. Now with Zach Wilson, they seem to really be investing into this offensive line, putting all of the assets that they can into the position, and it's going to be huge for Zach Wilson's development. Obviously, you know, Wilson still has to prove it on the field, but with Makai Beckton at left tackle with Elijah Vera Tucker at left guard with Morgan Moses on the right side. There's much more confidence in his ability to be protected. So will Morgan Moses stick around with the Jets long-term? It's a question mark. You know, it's a one-year deal that he signed, but I think this was absolutely huge for the Jets and a absolutely necessary move, despite maybe being okay at right tackle. It's better to improve at the spot when you can and Morgan Moses was available, giving the Jets that opportunity, and they absolutely capitalized on it. I love the move for the Jets. Uh, 
Obviously, maybe as a Patriots fan, I don't love it as much, but just in terms of overall analysis, great move by the Jets. I think it's absolutely crucial, both for Zach Wilson and the run game as well. The run game is going to be very important in not only the helping of Zach Wilson's development, but also just any San Francisco scheme that kind of branches off. And that's what's going to happen here. And, you know, pieces like Michael Carter, pieces like Tevin Coleman, I think will uh, also appreciate Morgan Moses being in town. But again, shorter episodes here with the college football previews. We're going to have to find a way to fill in a little bit more time, maybe some 10 minute se- uh, segment just to really fill out these show slots. But that's all we got for you today on Destination Draft Day. Hope you guys have a wonderful week. Happy Monday. Thank you to everyone who tuned in, and thank you to everyone in the comment section. Thank you to LandryFootball.com for the platform to talk about all things college football, NFL, and NFL draft. I'm your host, Michael Rockman. This is Destination Draft Day. Take care. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.